Good morning. It's good to see y'all this morning. If you would be taking your Bibles and turning with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we're going to look at verses 16 all the way down through chapter 12, verse 10 this morning. As we continue walking through this letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, we call this the, the second uh, letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians. It's a, a letter written from a man who deeply loved a, a group of people who were following Jesus who had fallen off of the path, so to speak. And so what I wanted to do this morning before we actually go through and look at each of the verses is I wanted to read the, the whole uh, section as a whole so we could kind of get a feel uh, of the heart behind what Paul is saying here. And so if you would, just bear with me as I read verse 16 of chapter 11 all the way through chapter 12. It's quite a bit of text, but, but I just want you to hear it uh, in one whole section before we uh, break it down into smaller pieces. Paul writes, I, I repeat, let no one think me foolish, but even if you do, accept me as a fool. So I too may boast a little. What I'm saying with this boastful confidence, I say not as the Lord would, but as a fool. Since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. For you bear it if someone makes slaves of you, or devours you, or takes advantage of you, or puts on airs, or strikes you in the face. To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. But whatever anyone else dares to boast of, I'm speaking as a fool, I also dare to boast of that. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they offspring of Abraham? So am I. Are they servants of Christ? I'm a better one. I'm talking like a madman. With far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, and toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, and hunger and thirst, often without food, and cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there's the daily, daily pressure of me on me of my anxiety for all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to fall and I am not indignant? If I must boast, I will boast of the things that show my weakness. The God and Father, the Lord Jesus, who is blessed forever, knows that I'm not lying. At Damascus, the governor under King Artis was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me. But I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. I must go on boasting, though there's really nothing to be gained by it. I, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. And I, and I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast of my weakness. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. 
but I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So to keep from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would hear Paul's word to us from you, God. That we would hear that to be truly strong, we must be weak. God, that we would hear this morning what it means to fall uh, on you, what it means to give you our concerns. God, to give you our pain, to give you our hurt and our suffering. Lord, I pray that you would walk with us this morning as we look at this passage of Scripture. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts through it. God, I pray that you would change our lives as a result of us being here this morning. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we're going to be talking about uh, Paul's basic defense against uh, these group of people who thought that he wasn't quite good enough to be an apostle. I don't know about you guys, but, but one of the, the more awkward things in my life that I've done is fill out job applications. And what I mean by that is, have you ever noticed on a job application, it always says something to the effect of, why in the world do you think you're good enough to work for us? Not exactly in those words, but that's what they mean, right? Why do you think we should hire you instead of everybody else who applied? Why do you, what qualities are you bringing to the table? Which means you have to kind of brag on yourself, right? You, I mean, be like, well, dude, I'm awesome, of course. Like, I'm way more qualified than everybody else. What happens then, though? He's too proud. She's too proud. They, they just think too highly of themselves. Even if you're as good as you say you are. It doesn't look good, right? Of course, you could go in and be like, I really don't know why you would hire me. To be honest with you, I just applied as a joke. You're not going to get hired that way either, are you? It's just this awkward situation when we try to basically sell ourselves to someone else and prove ourselves to someone else to show the skills that we have, to show what we're able to do and what we're not able to do. Should we do that? Yeah, we, sometimes we have to uh, show other people what we're able to do in those circumstances. Nothing wrong with that. That's basically where Paul is, only it's a little different for him because he doesn't like to talk about himself. He likes to talk about Jesus. He doesn't like to, to lift himself up. He likes to lift Jesus up. But this group of people in Corinth had considered and decided that Paul was not worthy to be an apostle. They begin to ask him the question, why should we believe anything you say? Why should we obey you? Why should we do what you tell us to do? I mean, how do you measure up against all these other guys? You sure can't preach. Like, I heard you put one dude to sleep and he fell out the window and died. Like, that's a terrible preacher. Like you're, you're just, you're kind of short, you know? Yeah, I mean, you don't look near as handsome as some of these other guys that come in just preaching. I, wait, Paul, I think we might need a, a pastor with a little more pizzazz. Paul, I, I don't know 
why you think that you are qualified to be an apostle. This group of people who he had poured his life into for three years, he had spent day after day walking with them through life, trying to help them learn who Jesus is, learn what it is to follow uh, after Christ. This man who had given his life for them. When you look through the book of Acts, he spends more time with the people in Corinth than anybody else. Like he really invested in them. He's already said once that he didn't take any money whatsoever from them while he was there. In fact, he, he says that I robbed other churches so I could minister to you. I didn't ask anything of you. I gave everything to you. And now he hears they're, they're talking behind his back or even to his face, saying terrible things about him, saying these other guys are better than him. And so he says, okay, well, since you like people who brag on themselves, I'll be a fool too. I'll, I'll join in this foolishness. You want to compare resumes? Let's compare resumes. And so in verse 19, here is 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he says, For you gladly bear with fools, being wise yourselves. He says, you know it all, right? You're like a six-year-old or a seven-year-old, not speaking from experience, right? But anyway, every time I ask him to do something, why? Because I told you. Now, I want to know the reason why, because I want to reason this out. I mean, at six years old, they're already doing that. But, but he says, since you guys know everything, since you're so smart, okay, verse 24, you bear it if someone makes slaves of you or devours you or takes advantage of you or puts on airs or strikes you in the face. He says, you guys are so wise that you're allowing people to manipulate you and make you do whatever they tell you to. You're becoming their slaves. They're devouring you and taking advantage of you. While they're sitting there, they're cleaning out your bank account and you don't even know it. They're fooling you. They're being hypocrites. They're putting on airs. They're pretending to be something they're not. They're pretending to be more important than they are. They're basically, as he says, slapping them in the face. They're making fun of them. Paul says, oh, forgive me. I was far too weak. If you look at verse 21, he says, To my shame, I must say, we were too weak for that. He says, I'm so sorry. I was not able to take advantage of you like these other guys are. I'm so sorry I wasn't able to trick you like these other guys. I'm sorry I didn't go around with a parade in front of me every time I did something nice for someone. I'm sorry I didn't go around bragging about all the things I had done like these people do. I'm too weak for that. I'm too weak for that. I, I, I prefer serving quietly when no one's watching. I prefer not talking about myself. I prefer to talk about Jesus. So please forgive me. Please forgive me for not taking your money. Please forgive me for giving my life to you. You can hear in his sarcastic tone, you can hear the hurt in his voice. These people had broken Paul's heart. This man who loved them so deeply, they, they had broken his heart because... They had been fooled. They had been deceived by these false apostles that he talks about just right before this, these ministers of Satan. And so he says, okay. So, so you'd rather have the, the, the guy who's really good at speaking and, and the guy who looks nice and all those things. That Well, then, okay, well, let's compare resumes then. Verse 22. When he gets here, he, he, he begins to, to compare resumes. He says, so there are Hebrews? Well, so am I. That's good. I'm an Israelite too. Are they offspring of Abraham? I am too. Are they servants of Christ? And, and here he says, 
I'm a better one. He says, I'm talking like a madman. He says, I don't even want to call them servants of Christ. You're making me talk like somebody who's out of my mind. He says, I'm better at serving Christ than they are, even if you could say that they served Christ. And then he goes through and he begins to talk about all the things he went through uh, because of following Jesus, because of serving Jesus. You'll notice, and we'll we'll see this more uh, explicit later on, but you'll notice that as he goes through this list of qualifications, like if you were applying for a job, is this the way that you would start off? Let me tell you, man, everywhere I go, people beat me up. In fact, they get so mad at me, they try and kill me with rocks. In fact, I've, I've had the worst capital punishment my people are allowed to give uh, several times now. I've got some scars to prove it. Like I have, the, I mean, you want to talk about luck, like I got shipwrecked. Hey, look at how many times he was shipwrecked. I mean, if you've been shipwrecked more than once, you have bad luck, right? But it's just constantly going on. He says, in fact, there was a time I was stuck out at sea. And he just keeps going down through this list of different things that have happened to him. And so you can picture him walking up or riding to this group of people who are all comparing their education, comparing their degrees, comparing who they have as references on their resume. And he says, oh, well, I didn't bring any of that. I think maybe you could hold my shirt for me. Yeah, you see that scar back there? Well, that dude was mad that day. Yeah, I know you can see my ribs. It's because I hardly ever have a chance to eat. Yeah, I, I know that I, I don't look real healthy. Well, that's because I have sleepless nights. I know I have bags under my eyes. It's because I don't hardly ever get to sleep. I know I'm sickly. It's because I'm always out in the cold, sleeping under the stars, traveling from town to town, sharing the gospel of Christ. I know I don't speak as well as those guys do, and I probably can't talk as loud as they can. I, I mean, I'm not exactly in the best shape of my life here. Yeah, I'm kind of dirty. Yeah, I probably don't smell real good sometimes. You're, you're right. I mean, you can just hear him as he, he shares with them what he has done and what he has gone through to, to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I was reading this list, uh, I couldn't help but just, I mean, feel horrible about complaining. <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but as you look at Paul's list here, if you go back down through it, and I won't go back down through it again, but, but when you read all these different things, when he talks about dangers from robbers, and he talks about being beaten and left for dead, at one point he was in one city where they, they would, Basically, they stoned him, which is where they take you and they put you in, like off the edge of this little ledge and they all throw big rocks at you until they think you're dead. They did this to him, drug him out of the city, thought he was dead and left him. He got back up. Like That's, that's his life. That's his story. Can, can you imagine talking to Paul about all the terrible things we face as Christians? Oh, Paul, let me tell you. Someone disagreed with me today. What did they do to you? must have been terrible. What did they do after that? No, you don't understand. They disagreed with me. What? <laughs> I mean, can you imagine? Like in my day, they tried killing me over stuff like that. Oh, I have it so rough, Paul. People make fun of me sometimes. Oh, that must be terrible. Yeah. Could you hand me my shirt? I'm going to put it back on now and cover up all these scars from following Jesus. But we, we forget guys, how much God has blessed us in this nation to be able to share Christ freely, to be able to walk with Him. And here this man is saying, listen, this is what I went through to share the gospel. I'm like, eh, I may have to give up something to do that. 
as if we have it so rough. And so he says, uh, I have suffered greatly for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of Christ. Don't come at me with your references and your resumes. My resume's on my back. And then you come to verse 28. He says, not only do I have physical suffering, I've got mental problems too. And apart from other things, there's the daily pressure on me of my anxiety for all the churches. He says, man, the churches are wearing me out. The churches are, are driving me crazy. I am constantly sick uh, to my stomach, worried about these people, worried about their walking with Jesus, worried that they're going to fall back into their paganism. I'm constantly praying for them. He, he says, who is weak and I'm not weak? Who's made to fall and I'm not indignant, I'm not angry? He says, who, who falls off into sin and I don't take it personally because I want to see them walking with Jesus? So it's not only his daily aches and pains, it's his daily stress of dealing with and worrying over the people that he has led to Jesus. And then we come to the end of this chapter, verses 32 and 33, and you have this story. He said, you know, I'm going to only boast about the things that show my weakness, but then you come to verse 32, and he has, like, this is the story he decides to give us details about. At Damascus, the governor under Artis was guarding the city of Damascus in order to seize me, but I was let down in a basket through a window in the wall and escaped his hands. Like, that's how he caps off his suffering. Why would he, why would he go there? Like, why would you end off with that, Paul? Like, I would end off with the stone in one, right? I mean, you get, or, or maybe the time the mob beat him up or something like that, but he ends with, yeah, by the way, one time I was let down uh, in a basket outside the wall to escape uh, this guy who was trying to kill me. Think about it from this perspective. Paul the Apostle, this great man, this man who has all this authority, this very distinguished character, is reduced to hiding in a basket and being lowered down, very undignified, outside of the wall of this city. He has to run and hide. He doesn't get to stand and fight. He doesn't get to stand and say, no, this, you can come this far and I'm going to stand. No, he has to go and he has to hide. Why? Because he's weak. He doesn't have the ability or the strength to stand up against this governor. He doesn't have the ability or the strength to stop him. He has to run and hide. Why? Because he's a man. He's human. That's basically his point. My, my strength is not found in me. It's found in Christ. You see, his point, and he busts off into it in verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, I must go on boasting though there's nothing to be gained by it. And you notice he says there's nothing to be gained by it. He says, I'm going to go on bragging even though you get nothing out of it. And, and he's talking, I think, especially about the visions. He says, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. He says, there's no point in me telling you these things. I'm only telling you because you're so impressed with visions and revelations. He says, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. When he says this, I know a man, he's talking about himself. The, the thing is, is he's so humble, he doesn't want to actually name himself. And so he says, I know a man uh, in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And he says that twice. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. Which is really funny because then you still have commentators and people say, I wonder if Paul was in the body or out of the body. We need to figure this out. Well, if Paul doesn't know, how in the world are you going to know? Right? It, it just, it's just funny how we do that, right? We spend all this time trying to cover it. Anyway. But he, he says, I don't know. 
All I know is I went to heaven, I got to see heaven. It was pretty cool. Right? I mean, we know that he thought it was pretty cool. Because when you go to Philippians, he says, for me to die is Christ. I mean, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I would rather be there than I am here, but God needs me here with you for now. I can't wait till I'll go there. Like this stayed with him the rest of his life. But he, he says there's nothing to be gained about talking about these things. And he means spiritually speaking. Like you don't prove anything to the Lord or anyone else by bragging on yourself. You, know, you don't prove. Hey, he said, I, I don't, never thought that I needed to share this with anyone because it'll do you no good. All it'll do is make me look cool. Right? I'm, I mean, it's kind of hard. You ever talk to somebody who no matter what you say, they have a better story? Like, I remember when I was a kid and I did this and, you know, I was trying to do skateboarding and stuff and, and they'll be like, yeah, I invented the skateboard. You know, I'm talking about Paul's kind of that guy. I mean, what do you, what do you top his story with? You know, I was out and, you know, I, I feel like I, I had a vision from the Lord. He's like, yeah, I went to heaven. No big deal. I mean, you're never going to top that, right? And, and so he's like, I, I don't see any point in me sharing these things because it does you and I no good. The reason I'm sharing with it now is because you people need to understand that I'm actually an apostle, that I actually have a message from the Lord for you and you need to hear what it is. And so, so we have to be careful, guys, not to, to puff ourselves up too much. But then you come to verse 5 and he says, On behalf of this man I will boast, but on my own behalf I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. But he says, listen, though if I should wish to boast, I wouldn't be a fool. I'd be telling the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. You notice what he says there. He says, now, if I wanted to brag, I could brag because it would be the truth. If I wanted to say I'm better than you, I could say it and it would be true. Like, I mean, that's kind of what he's doing here. Like, you just hear him being like, I don't have to tell you, but, you know, I am kind of better. And then, but then he says, because it's true, right? I mean, there's nobody who suffered more than, than Paul for Christ. There's, guys, you think about this. Um, we are here today because of the Apostle Paul. That he's the Apostle to the Gentiles. The other guys, they mostly stuck it out with the Jews. Paul went to the folks who weren't Jews. He went to uh, the, the places that were most covered with Gentiles. He, God set him apart for that specific purpose. Like, during his day, he, he planted who knows how many churches. Like, he's got a right to kind of brag if he wants to. But he doesn't. Because it's not about him. He says, if I'm going to talk about anything, I'm going to talk about my weaknesses. I mean, we're talking about one of the, probably the, the most brilliant minds in history. And he says, eh, I don't need to talk about myself. I want to talk about Jesus. And so, so he says, I, I want to do this because I don't want anyone to think of me more than what they see or what they hear. You hear what he's saying there? I don't let my actions speak for me. I do my talking on the field, so to speak. I don't, I don't got to run my mouth. You'll know that I am who I am when you, when you see me. Like I, I don't have to pretend to be something I'm not. I don't have to prove myself to anyone. How much time would we save if we quit trying to convince everyone around us that we're, we're better than we are? And just let our actions speak for themselves. Like, who cares what everybody thinks, guys? It really doesn't matter. They're going to change what they think tomorrow anyway. Just let your actions speak for themselves. He says, I would rather you hear it from me and see it from me. I'd rather you see who I am by what I do than by false promises that I make. 
And so he says, listen, I want you guys to see the truth as it is in me. Okay, and so I really need to hurry up apparently. Uh, anyway, so verse, verse 7 of chapter 12, he says this. He says, <clears throat> so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. How does somebody like Paul keep from becoming prideful? How does somebody who has been to heaven, who is basically responsible for uh, the, the Gentile world hearing the gospel and, and has all these revelations from the Lord, has the Lord Jesus Christ come to him personally uh, to, to uh, redeem him, to, to knock him off his horse and, and show him himself, how, how does he keep humble? Not on his own. He needs some help. So to keep me from being conceited, because of what I'd been given, I was given a little present. Yeah, a thorn in the flesh. This word thorn, commentators say, is not what we think of, you know, like when we think of a sticker bush, going through the, the woods or whatever, and you get something stuck in your arm, like, ah! No, it's more like a, a stake that you use to impale someone. Like, it's not a, a minor inconvenience. It's not like a hangnail. It's not like something that, like, man, I i got an ingrown toenail and it's killing me. No, it's not that. It's something that is life-threatening almost. It's something that you can't uh, get away from. He says to harass me. He says he does this. God allowed this into his life to keep him from being conceited, to keep him from being prideful. God allowed this painful thing into his life. And, and there's a lot of discussion about what this is, what it could be. I mean, there's, I mean, there's books upon books upon books about what this thorn in the flesh could be. I personally think that he's probably talking about the ministers there in Corinth um, just because of some other stuff in the text. We don't have time to, to get into all that this morning. But the, the point here is that God, God allowed some painful, something painful into Paul's life to keep him from being prideful. It really doesn't matter what it is. In fact, it's kind of better that we don't know so that we can all look at that and say, yeah, I can relate. I got some stuff in my life that is absolutely painful. I got a thorn in my flesh that I don't seem to be able to, to shake. I don't seem to be able to deal with. Whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's a, 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 you know, a medical condition, whether it's a, you know, a situation in your own life, whether it's your job, whether it's a personality problem, whether it's a character defect, whether it's a temptation in your life that always seems to be there no matter where you turn around. That there's all these different things that could be in our life that could affect us. And the truth of it is, guys, is that many times we try and control those things and we can't. We can't fix them, right? No matter how hard we try. It's this constant reminder, this painful reminder that we are not in control, that we are not God, that we need His grace. But, but you notice what Paul does when his world falls apart, when the, Satan comes against him. Listen to what he says in verse 8. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. He says, I went to the Lord. You notice Paul doesn't say, I took matters in my own hands, and I took care of the devil. He ain't going to be messing with me like that. No, he says, I went to the Lord. I asked the Lord three times that he should remove this from me. I pleaded with him. I begged him, God, please take this away. 
And he said, no. He said, no, I'm not going to. Guys, there are a bunch of things in our life that we have somewhat control over, like what you ate breakfast for this morning, ate for breakfast this morning, kind of have control over that. What you wore, you kind of have control over that a little bit, right? Depends on uh, how, how your, your mom or your wife feels, right? I, I mean, sometimes you have control, sometimes you don't. But there are a thousand other things that you don't have control over. How people drive, what the people in your life do, what the people in your life say, whether or not you get sick. There are a thousand things in our life that cause us pain that feel like stakes driven into our heart. What do we do about those things? We take them to the Lord and we say, Lord, take them away. Take this away. Take, this, uh, take it out. Fix this situation, please. Why? Because it's only Him who can do it. We're reminded that we're not God and that He is. And so God's answer to him is not, I'll take care of that situation. His answer is, I will take care of you. Look at verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. God says to Paul, no, I need you to remember that you are not God, that I am God, and that you need to rely on me and me alone. That it's not up to you, Paul, it's up to me. You can't fix it. You can't make it better. You can try, but you can't. You do everything you're supposed to do. You do everything that you can do for wisdom's sake and for practical sake, of course, but all the time praying, knowing that these things are actually in His hands. These things are actually up to the Lord. And it's not, guys, Paul doesn't continue to suffer because he has a lack of faith. If there's anybody who has faith, it's Paul. It's not because he doesn't pray. Like, he helps us learn how to pray. It's because God says, no. He doesn't fix the situation because it's better for Paul to have this thorn than it is for Paul to not. Sometimes the path of suffering is actually better for us than the path of prosperity. I mean, let's be honest, guys. When, when do you cling closer to the Lord? When everything's smooth sailing and it's easy and you don't really have to worry about much? Or when things get hard, things get tough? All of a sudden it's like, man, God, I need you. Where are you? I need you. I need your grace. So he says in verse, at uh, the end of verse 9, he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And he goes on in verse 10, and he says, For the sake of Christ, then I am content with the weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What he says to us is we learn what it means to be truly strong when we learn that we actually can do nothing of our own. We, we learn what it is to be truly strong when we finally give up trying to control our circumstances and say, Lord, you got it. I'll be content in my calamity. I don't know if we really use calamity anymore, do we? That's not really... I'll, I'll be content in my messed upness. I'll be content when everything goes sideways. I'll be content when everything uh, comes at me all at once. I'll be content in my weakness. I'll be content in all the stuff I can't control because I can't control it. So I'm going to pray. And I'm going to say, God, that's on you. I can't do nothing about it. It's on you. You know how freeing that is? Like, I'm going to stop trying to make all these other people do what they ought to be doing. God, they're, they're your problem. I don't know what to tell you. Isn't that nice? That feels good, doesn't it? You kind of want to say that, don't you? But I, I can't fix them. you got to do it. And that's ultimately Paul's point here. Sometimes we wonder, how, how, do, how do I actually give it to the Lord? And that's how. You say, I, God, I can't do this. You have to. There's certain things I can control. There's certain things I can do, and I'm going to do them, but everything else, it's up to you. 
You're wise, you're strong, you're able, you're powerful. I'm not. You're God, I'm not. It's in your hands. I wonder this morning, guys, as you're sitting there and you're, you're going through your heart and you're going through your life and you're thinking, man, I, I got all these things going on. I wonder how many of those things you need to say, Lord, I, I can't do anything about this. I need you to handle it. I wonder how many of those things you need to ask the Lord and say, God, are you using this to make me draw closer to you? Am I missing an opportunity to learn what it is to truly rely on you? Am I missing an opportunity to grow in grace, to grow in my faith? Maybe you need to ask yourself this morning, maybe I need to quit complaining about this and be content in it. Be joyous in it. Not give up. Not lay down and give up. No, if you believe God is good and you believe that He is powerful, you don't give up, but you continue to pray, but you say, you know what? God, this is on you. I can't change it. You're going to have to. Maybe this morning, that, that's where you're at. You need to say, Lord, I, I need you. I need you to help me through it. I can't fix it. I'm going to do what I can do, and that's it. Or maybe this morning, the thing is, is you've never actually trusted on Christ to begin with. Maybe you've never actually admitted your own weakness and said, you know what, I, I can't change me. I can't fix me. I can't make up for all the stuff I've done between me and the Lord. Maybe that's you this morning. You've been trying to fix it with God on your own? It's not going to happen. You're not strong enough. Only one is perfect, and that's what God requires is perfection, and that's Jesus. When Jesus came, he, he bled and he died to offer to us his perfect righteousness. He says, I, you don't earn it, you get it given to you. Maybe this morning, maybe for the first time in your life, you need to say, I'm not strong enough. Only through the Lord Jesus will I ever be saved. If you would, stand with us. And as you stand, I'm going to pray. And after I pray, if God is speaking to you, would you come as we sing? Let me pray. Father, I thank you.